so many times when we reach the end of our rope, we turn to prayer. But when our prayers are not instantly answered, we give up. Remember, God's delay does not mean denial. Today, I want to encourage you not only pray, but to pray persistently and make it a priority. Don't stress out, church. Don't stress out trying to make things happen on your own. Give it all to God as you pray. All to Jesus. I surrender. All to Him. I freely give. Divine silence does not necessarily mean divine inactivity. Let me say that one more time. Divine silence does not necessarily mean divine inactivity. Not only is God's silence real, biblical, and personal, it is also common. Consider Joseph's experience with the silence of God. Joseph was obedient to God. He trusted, obeyed, followed, and ended up in a foreign land, Egypt. A teenage victim sold in a human trafficking transaction to become a slave in Potiphar's house. Joseph was wrongly accused, and Potiphar had Joseph thrown in an Egyptian prison. Many overlooked the description in Psalms 105, verses 17 through 19. Joseph, who was sold as a slave, they hurt his feet with shackles. His neck was put in an iron collar until the time his prediction came true. The word of the Lord tested him. Genesis 40 concludes by saying Joseph was forgotten in prison. God's silence. The story was that God did not want Joseph to remain in the land of Canaan, where his family would have most likely died from famine. God did not want Joseph as a slave in Potiphar's house either. God wanted Joseph to be Pharaoh's prisoner. Why? Because God wanted to favor him in the eyes of Pharaoh. God's silence was a test. Joseph's transformation to becoming the second most powerful man in Egypt happened through God's silence. Therefore, God's silence can lead to our transformation. The faithful Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, and Ezekiel, all experienced God's silence. God's silence is biblical, personal, common. And church, it's not always a bad thing. So here is the key application. When the silence is real in your life, you must recognize that you are not alone in the stillness. In fact, you are in good company. A right biblical framework will cause you to think rightly about your experiences. So what is it about human nature that we constantly doubt ourselves? When you realize that Abraham and Joseph and many of the great prophets all persevered and were eventually promoted through God's silence, we remember, church, we 
are not alone. First Peter 4, verses 12 and 13 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you, as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of the Messiah, so that you may also rejoice with great joy at the revelation of his glory. Let us pray. Father, change me now. Use me as your vessel as you speak through me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I've entitled my message this morning, Every Prayer. Transforming equals praying, and God hears every prayer. The prayers of the righteous avail us much. God's word says we can have confidence that when we pray, he hears us. And when we have the petitions we desire of him, the only requirement is those petitions must be made in accordance with his will for our lives. The question becomes, how do we know his will? The answer is very simple, church. His will is in his word, which is the Bible. So we should pray what the Bible says, right? So this morning, my intent is to open our minds to praying the Holy Scriptures. God's word is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. When we release his word into the universe, his power is released to answer our most fervent prayers. And so we want to see that power work in our life. And if we want that Holy Ghost power, then we must make prayer a priority. Praying a one-time prayer, going to church on Sabbath, and trying our best to live moral lives, it just isn't enough. A generation must be told that the life yielded to God and filled with the Holy Spirit is a life of continuous kingdom increase. No, That doesn't mean that life is without hardship or struggle. And no, the increase has nothing to do with finances and wealth. It is an increase of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, all around us, and desires to rest upon us in an increasing measure. So yes, we make it a priority by praying persistently. We are reminded of 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. To pray without ceasing means not to give up on prayer. It means praying continually, even when it doesn't make sense anymore. It means praying continually because it strengthens our faith so that we don't abandon our faith, but constantly looking to God in all things Not some things, but all things, because my Bible tells me in Philippians 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. When we understand God's love for us and his plan for us, then we can begin to realize the doors that he wants to open for us. But we'll only realize these things, church, when we are constantly talking with him listening to his voice, and growing deeper and deeper in our relationship with him. So remember the promise of Jeremiah 29, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And Matthew 7, verse 7 tells us, 
Keep on asking and it will be given you. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking reverently and the door will be open to you. We heard this in our scripture reading, James 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. What a beautiful affirmation James, the half-brother of Jesus, gives in this short verse. And we might wonder if our prayer accomplishes anything. We might even feel a little bit intimidated by this verse of Scripture. Yes, it's powerful. Yes, it's an amazing promise. But there's this but. But my prayers avail much? Me, a righteous man? It seems beyond me out of my reach. So now there's a possible struggle with this verse and our prayer life. Are we discouraged, church? We pray, but it doesn't seem to live up to what James 5 verse 16 says it can be. We don't feel like our prayers avail much, yet God has given this promise to us, his people. He encourages us. Not only is prayer powerful, but it is effective. God gives it to us to motivate us to pray. You're not wasting your time, he says, as he calls to us. Keep on praying. God is using our prayers to accomplish his will. He hears every prayer. So God gives us the promise in James 5, verse 16, and then he offers the example in James 5, 17 and 18. Let me make the examples clear. Elijah was, a, was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Elijah was a man just like us, and yet his life was so powerful. Elijah lived an amazing life. He was fed by ravens. He saw the widow's supply of oil and flour miraculously never run out. He raised her son back to life, and he faced down the prophets of Baal at Mark Carmel. What was it about Elijah that made his prayers, his life, so powerful and effective? So what can we learn from the life of Elijah to help our own prayer lives? Here are four things that we can learn from Elijah. Number one, Elijah learned to be completely dependent on God. Elijah learned to be completely dependent on God. After Elijah's first confrontation with King Ahab, God sent him to the Kareth Brook. There, Elijah sat. No food, no provisions. But God saw his needs It was there with everything stripped away that God sent ravens to bring him food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening. He drank from the brook. And we see that story in 1 Kings 17, 5 and 6. Elijah was in hiding from the evil King Ahab. 
He had no way to meet his own needs. He was completely at the mercy of God himself, doing his best to walk in obedience. And God, Jehovah Jireh, provided only as he could. Even when the brook dried up, Elijah had no need to fear. His source of provision dried up, but his faithfulness to God did not. He went to the widow of Zarephath, completely convinced of God's faithfulness to provide for his needs. And as before, God did what only he could do. So that's number one. Elijah learned to be completely dependent on God. Number two. Elijah prayed boldly for bold size. I'm sorry. Elijah prayed boldly for God-sized miracles. Elijah prayed boldly for God-sized miracles. Elijah didn't mess around with small requests for God. He went straight to big requests. Pray for a drought in the land. Raise the widow's son from the dead. Call down fire from heaven to consume the offering on Mount Carmel. At the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. Elijah was bold. He asked with incredible faith, believing that God was able. He believed that God was faithful, that he answered prayers. He called on God with enough faith to believe God would answer a very bold prayer. And without fail, God answered those bold prayers. He poured out his power repeatedly, giving Elijah opportunity to proclaim God's greatness. So number one, Elijah learned to be completely dependent on God. Number two, Elijah prayed boldly for God-sized miracles. And now number three, Elijah's prayers pointed the world back to God. Elijah's prayers pointed the world back to God. Elijah was completely in tune with God. He listened for God's voice, and and he walked in obedience. We see this in 1 Kings 18, verse 36. He prayed in agreement with God, with what God had asked of him, and his prayers pointed the world back to God. The widow's flower and oil never running out. This is a wonderful reminder that God sees our needs And he provides. Raising the widow's son from the dead, another reminder that he cares about our deepest hurts. The drought, a reminder that even the winds and the storms are subject to his control. Hear it in Elijah's own words. Oh Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, oh Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. 1 Kings 18, verse 37. Yes, Elijah called down fire from heaven to consume the water and the sacrifices not for his glory, but so others would know that God is a God and there is no other God in heaven or earth. Elijah's prayers were about pointing the world back to God. So here we are. Number one, Elijah learned to be completely dependent on God. 
Number two, Elijah prayed boldly for God-sized miracles. Number three, Elijah's prayers pointed the world back to God. And four, Elijah prayed fervently until he saw the answer. Elijah knew that sometimes an answer doesn't come immediately. He knew that we must pray until we see the breakthrough. And he was committed for the long haul. Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. And then he said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I don't see anything. Seven times, Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Elijah had prayed the drought into existence. Now it was time for the drought to end. He began to petition the God of the universe for rain. Not a little rain, but enough rain to quench the thirst of the land. He asked no response. He asked again, still no response. Seven times he asked and sent his servant to look for an answer. He prayed expecting an answer. Finally, after seven times, a small cloud began to form. Even just a small indication that God had heard his prayer was enough. He knew a small cloud indicated God was moving in response to his prayers. And God did exactly what he asked. He ended the drought. He sent the rain on the land. Elijah prayed through until he received an answer. So church, how can we tap into God's power? How can we, ordinary people, just like Elijah, experience the power of God moving in response to our prayers? We must truly believe what scripture tells us in James 5 verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We must be willing to confess our sins. We must admit our weaknesses, admit our failures. It's admitting our sins and being honest and vulnerable with others that we find healing. It's through praying with others and for others that we find ourselves focusing on the character of God, on his faithfulness. It's through confession and prayer that we position ourselves to live righteous lives, to see answers to our prayers. We must pray earnestly. We must pray fervently. We must not give up. We must continually come before the Father, asking him to hear us and to answer. We must have an attitude of expectation, believing that God is able and willing to answer our prayers. My Bible tells me in Psalm 5, verse 3, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. I like the fact that James makes the point that Elijah had a nature like ours. He was imperfect 
and displayed weaknesses, but God heard and answered his prayers. He'll do the same thing for us, church. Don't let Satan convince you that God won't hear your prayers because you have sinned. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we can be forgiven and restored through God's grace and mercy. Just like Elijah, we must learn to be completely dependent on God. Just like Elijah, we must pray boldly for God-sized miracles. Just like Elijah's prayers, our prayers must point the world back to God. And just like Elijah, we must pray fervently until we see the answer. We see the power of prayer is absolutely astounding. So my hope and prayer is that we all need and want to connect with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and see him work in our lives. So let us make a commitment now to remain in a constant state of prayer with God. Make this commitment in our daily prayer to our Father. Remember what John 11 verse 27 tells us. We will believe and confess that Jesus Christ is God's Son who came into the world to save sinners. And then John 14 verse 6 tells us, teach us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that only by coming to Christ can we come to you. Open our eyes to this, that we might generally trust Christ and come to know you as our Father. And finally, in 1 John 5, verse 12, the Word of God says, in our prayer of commitment, we ask that we always believe in Jesus as the Son of God, and that by believing in his name, we will have eternal life. Amen, saints. So many times when we reach the end of our rope, we turn to prayer. But when our prayers are not instantly answered, we give up. Remember, God's delay does not mean denial. Today, I want to encourage you not only pray, but to pray persistently and make it a priority. Don't stress out, church. Don't stress out trying to make things happen on your own. Give it all to God as you pray. All to Jesus. I surrender. All to him. I freely give. So now as I'm getting ready to come to a close, here's your T-O-T. Think on this. Pray God's prayers, not your prayers. And the word of God says in Isaiah 55, verse 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts, your thoughts. We must remember that it is God's faithfulness that we are calling on, his character. It's about a God who longs to connect with us, to help us in our time of need. We, church, we must have faith that he is willing and able to do far more than we could ever ask or imagine to the power that works within us. We must remember prayer is about ordinary people calling on an omnipotent God. Pastor Liverpool once said, Prayer is not getting God to adjust his program to what we want. It is adjusting our program to what God wants. When we pray, saints, when we pray, it is not to change God, but rather it is so that God 
may change us. Church, God will reveal himself to those who humbly seek him in prayer. He is faithful. God will show favor in our prayers. His blessings are continuous. When we begin praying for true faith in Jesus, the word of God reveals to us that Jesus is the center of God's plan for our salvation. Through Jesus Christ, God saves and accepts sinful people just like you and me. Because of this, a person must trust in Christ and Christ alone. When the storms of life arise, sleepless nights and desperate cries, he has captured every tear, assuring me he hears every prayer, waiting on the answer only to discover he is near. And he hears every prayer, for he has done great things. And I believe he's a God that always answers every prayer. Listen and be blessed. So church, we must be reminded of Daniel 9, verse 18. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. This beautiful excerpt from Daniel's prayer on behalf of the Jews, exile, and Babylon shows us a profound truth about prayer, that God answers our prayers because of his mercy, not our good works. Many believers think their good works obligate or persuade God to act on their behalf. And while God does call us to live holy lives, it is not our obedience that moves God to answer our prayers. It is his great mercy toward us, and he will answer our prayers. We can't make demands on our almighty God. We can't shake our fists at the sky and say, all right, God, let me hear you. So my appeal is just this simple. We, as loving Christians, must always humble ourselves to the mercies of God and recognize the need to pray without ceasing. So instead of crying, why, Lord, why? You, I, must believe that we can be saved. So if you believe in your heart that God hears every prayer, stand to your feet and say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Now just don't stand because I'm asking you to. Stand because you want that Holy Ghost and fire to come down and cover you. You want a prayer life like no other. And this is what God says. Ask, seek, and knock. And the Bible promises that God will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you won't have room for. God will provide the little that we have because he multiplies and will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. God will reveal himself to those who humbly seek him. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. God will 
answer prayers. God's mercy is the basis for answered prayers. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. When the prayers go up, when the prayers go up and are aligned with his will, blessings, yes, blessings, the blessings come down and we have a God that hears and answers our prayers. Let us pray. Father, Father, I pray that each person under the sound of my voice believes and knows that you will hear and answer our prayers. Father, you love this world so much that you gave your only begotten son. And I ask that we believe and trust in your word that we may not perish but have everlasting life. Help us, Father, to be just like Elijah when we must learn to be completely dependent on God. Pray boldly for God-sized miracles. Allow our prayers to point the world back to you, Father, and continue to pray fervently until we see the answer. Because you said in your word, pray, pray without ceasing so that we will experience the assurance of salvation. Thank you, Father, for hearing and answering our prayers because in all things whatsoever ye ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. And our hearts shall rejoice in you, Father, because we trust and we hope in your holy name. In Jesus' name, we believe and pray. Amen, amen, and amen.